We're going to continue in this sermon series that we've been in called The Light That Leads Us Home. And like I said before, we began it the first week of Advent, and it's going to run all the way through uh, really the first of the year, the first Sunday of the new year. But uh, what we've also been doing, kind of as what has led up to that every Sunday, is we've been lighting our Advent wreath. And so I would like to do that again um, today. And so today is the third Sunday of Advent. And as a reminder of the coming of the Christ child, we light Advent candles. Each candle represents an aspect of spiritual preparation for the celebration of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. The first candle that we lit represents hope and the second peace. The Lord your God is in your midst, rejoicing over you with gladness, renewing you in love. I will bring you home and restore your fortunes, says the Lord. So we light the first two candles. And now, this new light, in this new light, we give thanks to the Lord. With joy, you will draw waters from the wells of salvation. We will rejoice in the Lord always. We light the third candle to reveal the pathway to faithfulness. As a covenant people, we seek to live in the joy of the Lord. Amen. Well, obviously, today we're going to be talking about uh, something that's actually my wife's favorite subject, which is joy. Um, Now, joy is something that um, many people find very elusive. Okay, they have a hard time kind of grabbing a hold of joy. And uh, I found an example of just how elusive joy or or its close cousin happiness, but they're not the same, and we're going to get into that. But an example of of how elusive it can be to really find that that place um, is highlighted in a fictional story that I found. And the, the title of the story is, Man on Cusp of Having Fun Suddenly Remembers Every Single One of His Responsibilities. All right. Now, this was on a satirical website called The Onion. So, see if you can relate to this. Is this the... No, we'll go back. All right. Marshall Platt, 34, came tantalizingly close to kicking back and having a good time while attending a friend's barbecue last night before remembering each and every one of his professional and personal obligations. Backyard sources confirmed. While he chatted with friends over a relaxed outdoor meal, Platt was reportedly seconds away from letting go and enjoying himself when he was suddenly crushed by the full weight of work emails that still needed to be dealt with. An upcoming wedding he had yet to buy airfare for because of an unresolved issue with his Southwest Rapid Rewards account and phone calls that needed to be returned. Platt, who reportedly sunk into a distracted haze after coming to the razor's edge of experiencing genuine joy, fully intended to go through the motions of talking with friends and appearing to have a good time, all while he mentally shopped for a birthday present for his mother and made a silent note to call his bank about a mysterious recurring $19 monthly fee 
that he had recently discovered on his credit card statement. Everything's fine, said the tense, mentally absent man, whose girlfriend asked him what was wrong. After his near-giddy buzz vanished, and he remembered that he hadn't called his aunt yet to check up on her after surgery. I'm having fun. According to sources, Platt tried to put his responsibility-laden thoughts out of his mind and loosen up, but suddenly remembered a magazine subscription that needed to be renewed by Friday, a medical bill he thought might now be overdue, and the fact that he needed to do laundry by tonight or he would run out of clean socks and underwear. So, I think all we need to do is change the setting of that story from a barbecue to a Christmas party. And it probably comes close to describing a lot of us here today. You know, I I think if there was an actual secret to finding joy, most people would probably pay for it. Especially in this kind of hyper-busy time of year that we're in. Well, I have good news. There were some shepherds near Jerusalem that found the secret over 2,000 years ago, and it didn't cost a thing. One of our beloved Christmas hymns, Angels We Have Heard on High, even attests to it. The second verse of that song contains these words. Shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? Say, what may the tidings be which inspire your heavenly song? The basis for that song is our scripture for today. From the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. uh, If you'd like to turn in your Bibles, uh, that's Luke 2, 8 through 20. Otherwise, we're going to have it on the screen for you. (coughs) In the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord flashed and shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For this day in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord the Messiah, and this will be a sign for you by which you will recognize him. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Then suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went in a hurry and found their way 
to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were astounded and wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, giving careful thought to them and pondering them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. I just was struck by the thought in reading this about Mary giving careful thought to them and pondering them in her heart. If you, if you think about what we talked about last week with you know, the way she responded to the angel, this is one thoughtful girl. You know, for a 12 or 13 year old girl who is this, you know, analytical, <laughs> it's really pretty interesting. Um, I just wanted to point out a couple of, I think, what are kind of interesting historical notes. You know, when we, we, we talk about these shepherds, and, you know, it's kind of funny how influenced we get by uh, the way we, as a culture, have interpreted the Christmas story into our own terms and really kind of forgotten about the reality of what it was like back then. Uh, and so by the, the time that Jesus has been born, shepherding was no longer a family business like it had been in the time of David. Uh, now it's, it's a despised occupation. It's something that nobody really wants to do. Many shepherds were often accused of robbery and using land that they didn't have any rights to use. Uh, really for that reason, people of that time who were reading this narrative would have really been challenged by this because of how they felt about the shepherds. Uh, it, it just would not have made any sense to them whatsoever that God would have shown up to the, this group of people. Um, the other interesting thing is that the fact that the shepherds were actually had the sheep out at night in the pasture indicates that this is a warmer season because the only time that they really uh, would graze uh, at night was when it was warm. In wintertime, they would have them out in the fields during the daytime when it was warmer. Uh, so it's sort of then, now that's what I'm talking about, you know, we've all over the years decided that Jesus was actually born on December the 25th. Okay, well that's not true. I'm sorry if that breaks a bubble that you've held dear for long, a long time. The only reason that's the date is that uh, the Christians in Rome adopted the 25th of December as Christmas because in order to supersede a pagan holiday, that was already scheduled at that time. So that's kind of how we ended up here uh, on December the 25th. But it, that is not the actual birth of Jesus. So once again, sorry if that's upsetting to you. Um, now, let's look at these texts a little bit more closely. And so what about this story of the shepherds and how they were there and attendant at Jesus' birth, what does it teach us about joy? What can we learn about joy from this? Well, I think the first point is that God can bring joy anywhere at any time. 
shepherding was a, was a very lonely occupation, as you can probably imagine, uh, and definitely at night. The shepherds weren't, they couldn't sleep because they had to make sure that the sheep didn't suddenly wake up and just start to wander away. They also had to be constantly on guard against uh, prowling predators like wolves and the sort uh, so that they could ward them off if for some reason they started to attack the, the flock. So you can imagine it was a tense and pretty exhausting job you know, to kind of make sure that uh, all of your little charges were, um, were okay. There really wasn't a thing that was joyous about it. And I would imagine most of us can probably relate to that. Um, even on the rare day when maybe everything goes our way at work, feeling pretty good, we turn on the TV or we open a newspaper or we scroll a news website, and we see that the terrifying events that are becoming more and more commonplace just ratchet up our fear level. Where's the joy? you say. Well, the problem with asking that question is it's the wrong question to ask. We confuse joy and happiness. So often what we really mean when we ask that question is, why am I not happy? <laughs> well, just wait a moment. Scripture teaches us that happiness is fleeting because it often depends on the things that are outside of ourself. But true joy is eternal and it's internal because it's based on a relationship with Jesus. See, happiness depends upon these temporal factors like our circumstances or like other people or how much money we have or don't have or things like that. Joy is different. Joy is a true contentment that comes from an internal factor like having faith. True joy is everlasting. It's not dependent upon the circumstances that you may be in. And so the reason that God can bring joy anywhere at any time is because joy centers on something that we can't earn and can't possess. Joy is an inward feeling of contentment that just kind of bursts forth in rejoicing and praise. Joy comes from God's gift, the tiny baby in a feed trough. Joy comes not just to lowly shepherds or isolated parents far from home. Joy comes to all people in the most unlikely place amid the most unlikely spectators, God brushed aside the world's fears and provided the world a reason for joy. God will bring joy to you as well if you will allow him to, anywhere, at any time. The second point is that the shepherds chose to respond in faith. You know, angelic presence doesn't last forever. 
angels leave. The people that are left must respond in some way. So how would these shepherds respond? They're tough men. And their theological education would have come from the heavens and from the meadows, from the world they lived in, not as they were taught by rabbis or learned in the synagogue. Would they believe what they just saw or would they doubt with their own eyes, what their own eyes had just seen? And see, we think, oh, well, my, you know, if I had been there, and I had seen the heavens open up, and I had seen angels come down and, and speak and sing and praise God, I wouldn't have doubted it for a second. Really? Really? See, it seems like it would be a pretty straightforward decision. But how many times have you seen something happen and you knew it was God doing it? or causing it to happen. And yet you immediately began to doubt what you had seen or experienced. Happens all the time. I mean, you can talk to people that are, are fairly mature in the faith who, you know, pray for something or pray for somebody and they either get the something or the person gets healed and it's, they're immediately like, well, I don't know, do you think God showed up? Yeah, but see, it's that, it's that fight, that struggle between our human nature, our natural tendencies, and this issue that we sometimes have with faith and belief and what happens in the realm that's kind of outside our physical one. In the movie Miracle on 34th Street, the character of Kris Kringle who's played by uh, actor Richard Attenborough, says something that I thought was very profound about faith. Just be yourself. Hmm. Don't even think about the camera. You'll be just fine. Right. I must confess, I don't quite know why they're making such a fuss about me. Well, this is the holiday season, and you're Santa Claus, right? To many, yes, but to others, I'm just an old man with a white beard. But you're still the symbol of the season. You think I'm a fraud, don't you? I think fraud is a bit too strong of a word. But you don't believe in me. I believe that Christmas is for children. Well, your daughter doesn't believe in me either. I don't think that there's any harm in not believing in a figure that many do acknowledge to be a fiction. Oh, but there is. I'm not just a whimsical figure who uh, wears a charming suit and affects a jolly demeanor. You know, I, I, I'm a symbol. I'm a symbol of the human ability to be able to suppress the selfish and hateful tendencies that rule the major part of our lives. If you can't believe if you can't accept anything on faith, then you're doomed for a life dominated by doubt.
If you can't believe, if you can't accept anything on faith, then you are doomed to a life dominated by doubt. Do you think a life dominated by doubt would have been the shepherd's fate had they chosen not to believe? Is a life dominated by doubt your own experience? In the story of the shepherds, there was no quibbling. There was no quarreling. There was no expressions of doubt. Rather, they just made an immediate decision. We're going to go to Bethlehem, and we're going to see what God has told us about. They wanted to be part of the work that God was doing. And as a result of the faith that they expressed, they actually get to see God's work in the face of a baby lying in a manger. What might your life be like if you responded with that kind of faith? If you responded to God with that kind of faith, what if you truly believed that God loves you unconditionally exactly as you are right now? What if you really believed that? I'm not talking about agreeing with the fact that the scripture says that. I'm talking about really believing it for yourself. What if you truly believed that you were a son or a daughter of the king of the universe? Which is what the Bible says you are. What if you really believed that? And speaking of the Bible, what if you truly believed that everything in that book was true rather than just choosing to believe the parts that you like and discarding the parts that you don't? What if you truly believed the whole thing really was God's word? What might your life be like if you responded to God in that way? Learn a lesson from these shepherds and choose to live a life that is dominated by faith. Point number three, and the last one we're making today, is that simple faith produces a great joy within us. Now, in the uh, climactic scene from this movie, uh, it, it occurs in a courtroom where uh, the mental competency, competency hearing is underway for Kris Kringle, who claims to be Santa Claus. And so both sides have presented their case for whether or not he's crazy. And the judge has recessed the court uh, until noon the next day. And then at that moment, he's going to render a decision. And so that's where the scene begins. All rise. 
You may sit. <clears throat> Having heard the evidence in the matter of Chris Kringle, I, Judge Henry Harper, a representative of the state of New York, must regrettably rule on this day, the 24th of December, in the year Card if I gave you your Christmas card, I probably won't get another chance to see you. Unless I get arrested, which is very unlikely, since it's Christmas Eve and I'm going to bed uncharacteristically early. Uh, thank you very much, young lady. You're entirely welcome. And, uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. I'm not going to be needing that. The young lady who just approached the bench presented me with this Christmas card and this. It's a $1 bill. It's going to be returned to her shortly. But by presenting me with this bill, she reminded me of the fact that it's issued by the Treasury of the United States of America. And it's backed by the government and the people of the United States of America. Upon inspection of the article, you will see the words, in God we trust. And we're not here to prove that uh, God exists, but we are here to prove that a being just as invisible and yet just as present exists. Federal government puts its trust in God. It does so on faith and faith alone. It's the will of the people that guides the government. And it is and was their collective faith in a greater being that gave and gives cause to the inscription on this bill. Now, if the government of the United States can issue its currency bearing a declaration of trust in God without demanding physical evidence of the existence or the non-existence of a greater being, then the state of New York by a similar demonstration of the collective faith of its people, can accept and acknowledge that Santa Claus does exist, and he exists in the person of Chris Pringle. Case dismissed. Charges have been dropped. 
Chris Kringle is free. Yay. It's a great scene. It, it just makes us feel good. And I think it does that because there's a little boy or a little girl in each one of us that still lives there kind of deep inside and remembers what it felt like to believe in Santa Claus. The, you know, the, the wonder and the excitement. I'll never forget the Christmas that God taught me what joyous faith was supposed to look like. I'd been meditating on a scripture, and it was this one. It's Luke 18, 17. Truly I say to you, who do, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And I had been kind of pondering that. Uh, I was working with a spiritual director, and assigned. this was my assignment, was to ponder this particular passage and then, you know, discern what it meant. So that had been going on for a while. And it was a particular Christmas morning. I think my son Jarrett was probably four or five years old. And uh, I had just watched him uh, tear into his Christmas presents with great gusto. <laughs> I think you all you know, know what I'm talking about. It wasn't this, oh, what could this be? Or there was no <laughs> kind of gently shaking the box to see what was in there. And, and there was no delicate unwrapping of the present to preserve the paper and the ribbon so that it might be used again. No. I'm talking about a no-holds-barred, throw caution to the wind. I'm going to find out what this is as fast as I possibly can approach to gift unwrapping. But that's what four- and five-year-old boys do, and girls too, I would imagine. And so, you know, observed all this, and, you know, was just as joyful as he was, you know, in, 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 and, and you're that way with your children. When you see how excited they are, it just makes you excited. That's why I had to share about my daughter. I'm just I'm excited. But later on, when things had died down, and I went out for a run. And as I was running, God brought that scripture back into my mind. <clears throat> and he married it up with what I had just witnessed. And I heard him say, that's it. That's what that verse means. And I believe <clears throat> it was that kind of a, a joyful exuberance that caused the shepherds to rejoice after they had seen the Christ child. And it's the kind of joy that each one of you can have if you'll only choose to exercise simple faith this Christmas. So this season, don't settle for happiness. Let joy dominate the quiet fears and crushing doubts that oppress all of us each and every day. Joy is born by faith 
And faith begins by believing. Believing that Jesus is who he said he is, the Son of God. Now whether you've believed that for decades or you've chosen to believe that right now in this very moment, exert simple faith again at Christmas no matter what and let God deliver the joy. Amen.